Good morning. Good morning. There was a boy, a park sitting on a bench. He was reading a book. In fact, it was a Bible. And as he was reading, he was saying, Yes! Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. Praise God. And as he was making this noise, doesn't care if anybody were listening to him, this educated man from far away started watching interesting boy. So he came nearby and said, hey, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading the Bible. What's so amazing? And this boy said, you know, I'm reading and Israelite was escaping from Egyptians. And when they came to Red Sea, that God opened that Red Sea and they were able to cross. And there was this amazement. And this educated man wanted to let him know the reality of miracle. So he says, you know, scholars and scientists, they actually studied and they found out that during that time, during that season, there are a portion of Red Sea that's only 10 inches deep, shallow. So in fact, it wasn't that big a deal for people to cross Red Sea at that time. And this little boy, stopped, heard, went back down to see the Bible, and this educated man, feeling that there was some fact-checking, was, was taking us to a couple of steps away, when again he presented this boy saying, Wow, isn't that amazing? So he went, he, he went back and said, So what is it this time? And he said, I knew God was great. Not only did he lead hundreds and thousands of people across the Red Sea, but he was able to drown the Egyptian's army in ten, with ten inches of Some of you don't have a job now, but you will. 
a job is a piece of work. Just not my definition is probably Wikipedia or somewhere. Career, a field for our uh, field for or pursuit of consecutive progressive achievement, especially in public profession or business world. A calling. A strong inner impulse for a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. Every single one of us has or will have a job. And a good number of us will have great career. How many of you have called? In fact, it's not something that you claim. God has called every single one of us to do something great. And Moses had this higher calling. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, So now, go, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. You know this story well. In fact, this wasn't the only excuse that uh, Moses gave to God. He first said, who am I? The second excuse was, who should I tell who you are? Third was, what if you don't believe me? Fourth is, I am slow in speech and tongue. And last one is, please send someone else. Because when I look at myself, I'm just not good enough. We're all afraid to do something. We have fear. Pastor Michael Kelly, who is a pastor of Mount Rubio Church in our conference, he once said this, God puts his greatest blessing on the other side of fear. Let me repeat that. God puts his greatest blessing on the other side of fear. I don't know what that other side, oh, I don't know what that is. Some of you, some of us, it's fear. Others, is lack of discipline. You, you could fill in whatever it is, that's something. But the other side of that, greatness awaits. God expects every single one of us to be great. Why? Because God is great. After all, we are made in But here's the problem. We feel that greatness is only possible when we feel great. Yeah. If I don't feel great, then greatness is not within my reach. Feeling is something that becomes an, op an obstacle. Let me, give, let me uh, redefine this greatness. Greatness is living a life of that high calling, whatever that may be. Greatness is living a life of that higher calling, whatever that may be. After all, Paul said, some plants, some gives water, and God gives increase. If you're a planter, and that's what you're doing, in the eyes of God, you're doing a great thing. If you're watering, and that is what you're doing, you're doing great in God's eyes. I had a cousin, Jimmy Ha. He, both of us studied religion 
he unfortunately died. And as we, after we graduated, he went to different places. He went to Glendale, and then after he was gone, I followed right next uh, behind him at Glendale. Everywhere he went, it seems like I went after him. And then one day I remember saying, Jonathan, life isn't fair. Well, why? Everything is pretty good in my life. He says, every time I go to a church, I'm always dealing with bad things in the church. Church, church conflict, there's a kid that has a drug issue, I have to go to the, I have to go to jail, I have to bail somebody out, I have to amend relationships. And then you come, and then they all get baptized. <laughs> there's no conflict in the church. Why is it that I go through and he used Korean word for fertilizer. That makes not great sense. It's like, I am like dome, and you are, you just come in and weave all the things I put together. And I just simply say, thank you, Gene. <laughs> but wherever we may, are, we, we may be at, we are, God asks us to be faithful, and when that happens, you're being great in the sight of God. Mothers here, young mothers, you studied. You had a great career. And now you take your time off to take care of your children. And it happens day in and day out. And then after a while, you question yourself is this what I'm supposed to do? What happened to my life? I want to assure you that you are where you are. So that you can do great things for your kids. So that you may reflect who God is to your kids. Every one of us are called to do great things now. But here's a problem. What gets in the way? And before we get to Exodus chapter 3, you, you saw that God has given a higher calling to Moses, set my people free. And Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And he gives that excuse. Patriots and prophet, Mrs. White, wrote this. After the Lord had promised to remove all difficulties to Moses and to give him final success, then any father shrinking back and complaining of his unfitness showed distrust of God. It implies a fear that God was unable to qualify him for the great work to which he had called him. At some point, it's, no more, it's not about you being humble. At some point, by saying, I just can't do this, God. I can't do that. We need to differentiate whether you're humble or it's a distrust. This God that we serve. Peter Drucker uh, said this People who take risks generally make two big mistakes a year. People who don't take risks usually make two big mistakes a year. And yet, why are we not risking for our God? <clears throat> One of my favorite preachers, John Oakford, said this One of the most destructive keyword phrases is but I. <laughs> Have you heard this before? 
Lord, I, I want to do this, but I can't. Oh, I want to have a healthy lifestyle. I should have tofu, quinoa, and whatever. But I like pizza, Thai beer, whatever. That's me. I like to mingle with people, but I'm introvert. I, will, I, I believe in this God who has control, who is powerful. Lots of but lots. But it's not just us. You go through character after character in the Bible, and you see the same phrase over and over and over. But I. God says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell them, tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, What? Come on, you don't have to do it. But I. I say, Okay, thank you. Amen. Amen. But I would like to, I gotta go to like five of us. And when this shows up, I just want you to say, but I part. Alright? Okay. Moses said, but I. Come on, let's say that one energy. Moses, Moses said, but I. I am slow speech and tongue. When God asked Gideon, I wanted to deliver my people from Midianites. Gideon said, but I am the least of my family. Jeremiah, I wanted to prophesy and I wanted to speak my word to people. And Jeremiah said, But, but I, I do not know how to speak. I am a child. I am too young. Esther, I wanted to go to the king and save my people. And Esther said, What? But I had not called by the king for 30 days. Abraham, you are to be father of all nation. And Abraham said, but I and to old. This happens time after time after time. Jesus told Peter, hey, cast your net on the other side. And Peter said, Can I cry my head? You know what? How many times do we give same excuse? And here's what's interesting. Jesus God never approached to any one of them and says, Oh, come on, you're not that bad. Abraham, you're not that old. Moses, of course you can speak. He didn't convince them that they're not that bad. In fact, they were. For those of you who know, I love football. And those of you who know who sees my Facebook. There are dozens and dozens of my kids playing football. So Brandon, everyone played football to you. Interestingly, all three of my kids play in the exact same position. All, all three of them. So anyway, it's interesting to see the difference between how Brandon played football and how Sydney's team played football. When girls' team quarterback throws a nice ball, and receiver drops a simple pass. You see girls gathering and with, with that receiver and goes, Oh, it's okay. Is everything okay? But <laughs> <laughs> when I saw my, uh, my son's team, and again, quarterback throws a beautiful pass and receiver in the butterfinger and drops the ball. Guys goes, you suck. 
However, God bless us. By the same time, when these people says, but I can't, but I can't, God's saying, you're right. You suck. <laughs> denial of denial of inadequacy, that's what it is. So here is Paul on 1 Corinthians 1.28. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you are wise by human standard, not many of you are influential, not many of you are noble first. And then here's a twist. But God, but God chose the weak things, the weak ones of the world to shame the strong. But God chose the lowly things of this world. This whole time is shame you, but I. I can't, I won't, I whatever it may be, but I. But when God gets involved, now there's a twist. But God. But God. But God. That's where things change. I was I was doing a touch-up on this particular sermon yesterday, and I get this text from my wife with this particular wording, and I thought this was this is perfect. Next slide, it says, those who think they can do it on their own is obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never gets around to exercise it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them finds that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God is of thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing, and God isn't pleased at being involved. Have you heard this passage before, this quotation? So I texted, actually, I don't know why she's so strong. I don't know why she texted me. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I don't. I text it to the rest of my family. I go, wow, this is a great quotation. What, where did you find it? And she goes, it's, it's Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 8. <laughs> I was like, really? The message. I, I, I love this uh, translation. And again, if Romans draws me it's not about you. It's about God. We witness unexpected outcomes when we rely on but God instead of but I. And again, same thing. If I share with you Moses, Abraham, Gideon, Jeremiah, Esther, we see the flip side of when God steps in. How can I lead this whole nation out of bondage, God? But God is a central staff of Moses. How in the world can a single mom deliver her children out of slavery? Because she has nothing. But God used a small jar of oil and empty, small amount of oil and empty jar to just that kind of life. How can I feel over 5,000 people? But God used the lunch of a little boy. Who has ever healed a blind man? And God uses, but God uses simple saliva and mud to heal the blind. 
So God asks today, what's in your I don't have any much other than a little bit of time. And God is saying, I'll take that. And I'm going to catch you by saying, but God, use your small time. Your finance, whatever it may be. In fact, some of us look at ourselves and say, I don't have anything. In fact, what I have is loneliness, depression, resentment, rejection, brokenness, insecurity. Pastor, that is why I just can't seem to do things for the church and for God because I'm just not sure about doing that. But this is when God challenges you. It's not your will, it's God's will. It's not what you can't do, but it's what God can do. Not I. So I'd like to share with you desire to raise vocation here. Next one, please. God takes man and woman as they are, with a human element in their character, and trains them for his service. If they will be disciplined and learn of him, they are not chosen because they are perfect, notwithstanding their imperfection, that through the knowledge and the practice of the truth, through the grace of Christ, they may become transformed into his child. That's what God can do. I laughed when I heard this. God is bigger than your butt. <laughs> One teeth. We could butt all we want. Then whatever we may say, whatever we think or can't offer. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 said, But God said to me, My great, but God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my Every single one of them who are here are very, very
that things just didn't work out with your visa status or whatever. For those of you who have was at odds with your parents or with your children or in a job there's issues, we all hang back as we come to church thinking that we're but we all have this law. God, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm just not sure. Can you be my safety blanket? We all want something from God. And I'd like to challenge you to want this. And I want to wrap it up with this story. Long, long time ago when I was pastor here, I, I shared with you that in sermon, I tried to put in good stories. Because Brandon was in college now. When he was 11 years old, he came to me and I said, Dad, can I see your sermon? Can I read your sermon? Now, this church, nobody in that church, I get most nervous when I preach at this particular church. Not only because I have to live with live with all of you. <laughs> but because I have to preach in front of my wife and Sydney, it is scary. And so when this little 11-year-old boy came to my office and said, Dad, can I read your sermon? My sermon is a full word-for-word manuscript outline form. And so you can read through my sermon. I, I was thinking back at first, it was, uh, sure, I gave him my sermon. He actually took it to his room and he read it. About 20 minutes later, he came back and says, Dad, it's boring. You need to do a better job. Ouch. Okay, I'm waiting for a second. He leaves. And he comes back. A little better. So I said, what do you want? So I want more stories. Okay, so I'm going to work up for the more stories. I come back and I humbly come before the end for And he reads, he goes like, okay, it's better, but you probably need to add more stories. And I said, Brandon, I can't keep, it's not a story time. I can't keep putting stories. And he says something that's very, very profound. He says, Dad, do you know why kids like Jesus? And I said, why? This is because he told stories. Besides, that's the only thing I remember about the sermon. That's a lot. And he said, stories, Dad. Stories. My challenge to you is whenever you're tempted to say, but I can't, I won't, I'm not in a situation, I want to think of but God. And in order for that to happen, you it's not possible just through a sermon I just preached. You have to experience this God. You can read Bible. You can listen to sermons. You could be in a small group. But I hope there comes a day that you can give testimony of this is what happened. I said, but I, but I can't, but this, but that, but God came through my life and this is my testimony. And there was this young man experience that. In fact, he was in a Bible study Wednesday night, and he was about listening to God's voice. And he said, 
And, and afterwards, they went to some restaurant after Bible study, and a couple of young people were having conversation, and his friends kept saying, you know, I heard God's voice, and I did this, I did that, and this young man said, I've been going to church all my life, but I've never heard God in my life. So when he got into his car, and he was driving, he says, God, if you ever speak, I will pay I will listen. And he's driving home. This is like 9, 50 years so. He's driving home. And he felt, he, he was the impression for him to say, for, he just heard saying, go buy a carton of milk. And this young man goes, what? And milk? Nah. Drop, he's dro- continues driving. Heard, milk, buy a carton. And so this young man about to ignore that once again, he goes, God, is that you? There's some context. But all he kept remembering is buy a carton of milk. So he said, what's the big harm? I'll just pull pull over and buy a milk and and then I'll just drink it if there's nothing else to do. So he's buying milk and he's driving and just as he passed the seventh street, he heard, turn right. Yeah. And they passed. He goes, what? It's 10 o'clock. And he wrestled with that, wrestled with that, so he made a UV, turned back, and the seventh street to the left, and he's going. And he drove for several blocks, and suddenly he felt this impression stop. So he pulled over. And he looked around. It was semi commercial zone. There's a couple of houses. They're all dark. It's after all 10 o'clock. And he says, God, what am I doing here? And he was impressed with that. And give this milk that. Again, he says, ah, no way. But because he, he remembered, I promise that I will obey if I ever heard God's voice. So he grabbed cotton of milk, he approached the house, and he says, God, I'm going to knock on you one time. Nothing happens. I'm going to leave. I don't want to get shot, God. Knock, knock, knock. He waited for only three seconds. He was about to leave, and he heard somebody coming down from the stairs. And he opens the door, and this man with a tank top said, What do you want? And uh, here, and just stuck out a cotton of milk. And this man grabbed that milk and ran back out. The work open. And this young man didn't know what to do, so he was just standing waiting. And then soon, both husband and wife comes down. Wife immediately goes to the kitchen, and husband comes to this young man and says, Hey, I got laid off. I have to pay a big bill. And we did not have any milk for my baby. So two of us, we just got down on our knees, and we prayed, God, send us something. And then he heard wife from the kitchen saying, and I pray that God send angels to us. Are you an angel? This young man took out his wallet and gave everything that he had to this man and walked out. And then he said, God, you spoke. 
how long are we going to be Seventh-day Adventist church members who have never experienced God in We do not need to go to Africa. We don't need to go somewhere else. He is where you are now. Whenever you have this inclination, whenever you are And whenever you are tempted to say, but I, I don't have time. I appreciate what Yushin just said earlier. You could have gone to many other medical, dental, some other schools, but you're here to make man whole. Spirit of Jesus Christ. You're here as a missionary. Whether you stay here and continue with your family, or you get educated here and experience this great church experience and you go off to somewhere else. God has called you to the great missionary wild journey. Prepare yourself. Be faithful. And should God call you to somewhere else, God's calling you to be a missionary. And before that, I pray that listen to his voice. And instead of but I, you say but God and experience the goodness of God.